It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to North Star Sports. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome to the show, everyone. We got a great one for you today here on this Friday, October 23rd, as we look to preview UFC 254 Khabib versus Gaethje, which will take place tomorrow on Saturday, October 24th at the Flash Forum on UFC Fight Island. And what a fucking good card this is going to be. I am absolutely pumped up. I've had my two cups of coffee, and I am just fucking ready to predict some fights. I cannot wait. I mean, this this is a very big 24-hour stretch here. Uh, a little weird with the start time being uh, 2 p.m., I believe, central time for the um, for the main card. But, you know, listen, you, you deal with it. You deal with it in these... Uh, coronavirus times but i am just absolutely fucking excited as always some housekeeping to get to uh exciting housekeeping um because obviously the north star sports world grand prix for uh october uh starts tomorrow it's the first round the finals will be on the 31st uh that one's headlined by uriah hall and uh, anderson silva so obviously that's going to be very exciting i'm in the process of gathering everybody's picks uh, hopefully Reagan will give me his later today. Um, I'm gonna get captain's picks uh, probably right after the fight, um, and uh, yeah, that that's that's gonna be very very exciting. Uh, you know, the the inaugural uh, World Grand Prix here for North Star Sports. Um, obviously, it's it's me versus the Fireman and uh, Reagan versus Captain. Um, yeah, I, I just cannot wait for that. Uh, very very exciting. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, the, with the start time too, we'll have we'll have updated rankings, you know, almost immediately following the uh, the, the main event. So um, that's that's always exciting. Um, yeah, that's that's just about it for uh, housekeeping. Um, again, check out our rankings because we we have updated rankings, and that was one thing I wanted to mention just very quickly. Um, I don't want to go on too much of a tangent because maybe I'll I'll talk about this at a later time. Um, although it's relevant right now, but uh, this is why you got to follow North Star Sports and our UFC rankings because they don't know what the fuck they're doing taking Leon Edwards out of the rankings um, for quote unquote inactivity or, or not being able to find a fight. Uh, he fought last in July of 2019. He had that headliner with uh, Dos Anjos in was it Austin, Austin, Texas? It was in Te- no San Antonio, and. Um, yeah, what what the fuck are we doing here? Like Conor McGregor is still in the 155 rankings. I don't think he's fought there since fucking that title fight with uh, with Khabib. I don't think he's won at lightweight in fucking several years. Uh, obviously, the cowboy fight was up at 170. Like Nina Ansarov is still in the rankings. She hasn't fought since the fucking turn of the century. Like. It's just a complete joke. I don't want to get too much into it, but uh, this, this is why you got to follow North Star Sports rankings because we we know what's what. We're not we're not you know politicized like these like these people doing that just just because you know you're tough at um, at negotiating for fights. Nowhere, by the way, nowhere in the rankings does it say 
Oh, well, you reserve the right to remove this fighter from the rankings if they're being a dick in negotiations. That's not a criteria. It's wins, it's activity, and it's context. As in, well, you beat the number two fighter, so you probably should be ranked ahead of the number two fighter. But nowhere in there is is contract negotiations or, or fight negotiations a part of it, and it's a very dangerous and slippery slope precedent that they have set there. Uh, just an absolute fucking joke. Um, that's that's about it. I'll step off my uh, soapbox there, and and we'll get to the preview here. Um, yeah, I, I I cannot wait. Um, as of right now, it's a, it's a twelve fight card. Hopefully, nobody um, test positive. Uh, looking at you, Iwan Kutalaba, one of the dumbest motherfuckers in the sport. I swear, that guy just licks doorknobs for for fun. How that guy tested positive for COVID twice and got fights canceled, I'm it's a nothing short of a miracle that that he is uh, uh, still scheduled for this fight. Um, but we'll start here with the prelim opener. It's going to be a uh, lightweight fight here between Joel Alvarez and Alexander Yakovlev. Uh, we look at the odds for this fight uh, coming from Odds Shark, uh, and they will have uh, Joel Alvarez as the minus 170 favorite. Um, and I believe he missed weight as well. He's a, he's a rather tall, uh, lightweight, gaudy record, 17 and 2. Um, I want to say he weighed in something pretty significant over, like 59.5 or something. Uh, that is not uh, that's not good. That's not going to get you in the good graces of the UFC, no doubt. Um, but, uh, you know, this, this should be a, a good one. I, I suppose this is a step up in competition, although not much. Um, he, but, you know, he does finish fights pretty quickly, uh, you know, coming off of a, a win over Joe Duffy. I believe that was Joe Duffy's retire, retirement fight. Uh, choked him out in the first round. Uh, he beat uh, Danilo Bellawardi, uh, the Italian guy. Um, his, only, his only loss in the UFC was his debut to Demir Ismagulov. Uh, the name rings a bell. I, I don't know. I can't remember a whole lot off the dome about uh, Isma Gulov. Um, but th- this should be a good fight. And uh, Yakovlev, I mean, he's getting up there in age. Um, he is 36. But, uh, you know, body measurement-wise, this this is interesting because they're both six foot three. So that'll be a challenge. I don't know if Alvarez... I don't know if he's ever faced somebody that tall. I mean, I, I assume in every single one of his fights... He certainly has never been shorter than anybody he's, he's fought at, at 155. Um, so that's that's interesting. You know, some people do have issue uh, issues fighting, uh, you know, taller opponents. Um, but you look here at Yakovlev. I mean, he's lost three of his last four. Um, and uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's tough. It's a litmus test, but not really, though, because they're at the same they're at the same echelon in in the UFC. Um, so I'm gonna go Yoel Alvarez uh, on this one. I'll go by first round finish, dealer's choice on whether it's uh, a knockout or a, a submission. All right, moving on here on the prelims, we have a women's flyweight fight here between Liliana Jojua. That, that one always messes me up. Just like the the Georgian Viking from uh, last weekend. I mean, Georgian, Chechnyan, Dagestani names, they're, they're just the toughest names to pronounce in the world. Um, but Liliana Jojua takes on Miranda Maverick. Um, we'll look at the odd shark odds here. They have this as uh, a minus 450 favorite for Miranda Maverick. Does not sound like a real name, sounds like a made-up uh, creative character. 
And I don't know how I feel about that. That's that's pretty significant odds for Maverick. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of a fan of uh, the She Wolf, and and not just uh, aesthetically. Um, but 25 years old, uh, she's pretty much only exclusively fought in in Abu Dhabi. Her two UFC appearances. Uh, her first one was at uh, 242. Obviously, the the main event was Khabib and Poirier, and then uh, fought on Fight Island. Um, lost to Sarah Morris. And then a real quick win over uh, Deanna Belbitza. Um, but I don't know. That, I mean, Maverick's a, a pretty big prospect, all things considered. I mean, she's only 23. Um, she, she comes out of uh, Invicta. Um, I don't think she was champ in Invicta. Um, but, I mean, you look at her resume. I mean, she's coming off of a win over Pearl Gonzalez. Um, you know, so... It, I mean, Pearl Gonzalez was in the UFC for a hot minute, so you know that's a good thing about Invicta is that a lot of the, a lot of the the um, prospects who come to the UFC from Invicta, they they likely were f- they weren't fighting UFC level competition, obviously because it's not the UFC. But I mean, it's 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 almost like what the World Series of Fighting was ten years ago, where you know, yeah, it's it's still B level MMA, but I mean. Sometimes you will find a Rumble Johnson, you will find a Marlon Moraes, you will find a Gaethje, you will find a Andre Arlovsky fighting down there, you know, for for a little bit. Or I mean, I guess in the case of you know Gaethje and Moraes, they built their careers there. But you know what I mean? It's 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 really like the AAA affiliate of the UFC. So um, when you look at well, is this fighter transferable to the UFC? Typically, it's a pretty safe bet, all things considered, with uh, Invicta fighters. Um, I would disagree with the odds, but I am going to go with uh, Miranda Maverick on this one. Um, not for any profound reason. I don't watch Invicta, but um, you know, from from what I hear from from others who know more about the situation than me, um, you know, I, I will go with Maverick on this one. All right, moving on here, we have a, another prelim fight here. This in the light heavyweight division, a bout here between Da Un Jung. And smiling Sam Alvey, Jung is 13 and two. Alvey is 33 and 14. Uh, we'll look at the odds here. They have Daun Jung as the minus 350 favorite. Um, again, I would disagree with that. I mean, these those are some pretty bold odds there. Not that I would necessarily disagree with uh, Jung being the favorite, but uh, man, I don't I don't know. Those are some bold odds here from from Odds Shark. Uh, maybe it's just Odd Shark, but I have a feeling that it's probably pretty well represented uh, among the board. Um, you look at uh, Daun Jung. I mean, he he finishes fights. He finishes fights. Uh, of the fights he's won, uh, looks like he only has one decision victory, and that came back in uh, in 2017. And the thing I love about Korean MMA is I'm looking at his resume here. He fought a man named Hulk. Uh, he was zero in zero, uh, and uh, he's a Japanese fella, and that was the only fight he ever had. So I respect Asian MMA. Sometimes there's some wacky shit that goes on over there, um, but this guy finishes fights. Um, he can do it by by either choking you out or predominantly by by knocking you out. Um, he is two and zero in the UFC, so he choked out uh, Kadis Ibragimov and then knocked out Mike Rodriguez. I wouldn't say any of those fights were particularly outstanding like nobody's going to talk super glowingly about Mike Rodriguez and Kadis Ibrahimov so this this is a real test and again 
I, I would just completely disagree with the odds. I mean, I, I really like Sam Alvey. You, you know what I mean? Because what you, you got to consider, like, I'm not saying Sam Alvey's going to be a champ. I'm not picking him to beat a guy who's ranked. But, like, there's, as Corey Anderson says, there are there are certainly levels to this game. And Sam, Al, Sam Alvey definitely is at a lot of, he's at a level that a lot of fighters aren't, even though he's losing. But, like, you know, he's been in the UFC for a long time. Like, guys who come off the street are not going to beat Sam Alvey. And, you know, you go, well, no shit. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, there are UFC fighters in name only because they are under contract with the UFC and we'll see what they can do. And then there are UFC fighters because they've earned it. Sam Alvey, just through his, his you know, sheer number of fights, certainly has earned it. Now, he's on a four-fight losing streak, but, you know, I, I look at those fighters I mean, he, he lost to, to Little Nog. He lost to Jim Crute. Uh, a loss to uh, Clidson Abreu. That's pretty fucking bad, not going to lie. And uh, a split decision loss to Ryan Spann. I mean, that was a close fight. That was competitive. And you look at Ryan Spann, I want to say... <laughs> Inner Mike Tyson's coming out. Um, I want to say that Ryan Spann is ranked like number 11, maybe even number 10. So... I don't know, man. You never you never really know what you're going to get with Sam Alvey. You know you're not going to get blown out of the fucking water. You know, he's not going to spark somebody, you know, 18 seconds into a fight. But um, I just don't know, man. There's there's levels to this game. And it's it's potential with Jung. He, he seems like a perfectly legitimate prospect, um, somebody to keep your eyes on. But... I don't know, man. It's just, it's so tough. And that's where the, that's where the rubber meets the road when, when you're talking about, well, Alvy's on a higher rung right now, but it's just, it, we don't, we don't know with Jung. I guess because the odds are so heavily in, in, in the favor of Jung, I, I'm going to pick Daun Jung, but in my mind, it's essentially a pick him because Sam Alvy's nobody's punk. Um, he, he is a tough fighter. Uh, he's very hard to finish. And, uh, yeah, but I, I'm going to go with Jung. I, there just has to be something that they know that I don't know, uh, and I'm not going to die on the hill of, of you know, picking Sam Alvey, but uh, that that is going to be a closer fight, I, I think, than, than a lot of people would imagine. All right, moving on here, we have a 140-pound catchweight fight here. Oh, no, excuse me, I, I skipped over one. Too excited. We have a welterweight fight here between Alex Cowboy Oliveira and Shavkat Ramanov, Rachmanov. Uh, Oliveira is 22, 8-1. Shavkat is 12-0. Uh, we look at the odds here. They have this essentially as a pick'em. Shavkat is a minus 120 favorite. Oliveira is the minus 110 favorite. Don't know how that's uh, possible, but you know, then again, I don't work in Vegas. Um, I don't... Yeah, Oliveira's not ranked. That's, that's for certain. Um... But he's he's always on the doorstep of being ranked. He always takes incredibly tough fights, and um, this this one is interesting because again, it's it's the it's the unknown of of Shafkat. Um, I believe this is his UFC debut. Um, yeah, it is. Okay, because uh, the the thing with this guy is they've tried to book him so many times in 2020, and just every single opponent has has fallen out. So they're trying to book him in March against Bartos Fabinski. Um, I believe that was on the, the UFC London card. Obviously, that fell through. They were trying to book him in July on the first stint in Fight Island um, against Ramazan Emiv. Uh, did not work out, obviously. And then they tried to book him for tomorrow against Alessio Zaleski Dos Santos. That fell out. So now 
It is uh, Cowboy Oliveira. And that is very telling. That's very telling with uh, Rachmanov because who they put you against in your UFC debut tells me a lot. And the beauty of them trying to book him three times is I look at those three opponents, those are all really tough opponents. So they they obviously think highly of, of Rachmanov that they want to put this unbeaten prospect in there not not with uh well you're gonna you're gonna fight Kadis Ibrahimov who's 0-4 in the UFC you know what I mean just some fucking can for you to smash no 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 like again n- none of those fighters are ranked but like Oles- uh, Zaleski Dos Santos fucking really tough fighter his UFC record is something fucking real good like 12-2 and or something obviously n- not against ranked opponents but like when you talk about guys who belong in the UFC, there's no doubt that DeSantos belongs in the UFC. He wins a lot of fights in the UFC. Emiv, they've struggled finding Emiv opponents. I think his rec- his record's something you know ridiculous because he's Russian as well. Like it's like twenty and three or something crazy. Um, and Fabinski, I mean, I don't know, tough fighter. I mean, it's definitely the lesser of the three. But um, so they, they think a lot about Rachmanov. And the thing with Oliveira is you, you never really know what you're you're gonna get with him. I mean, you're gonna get a tough out. That's that's guaranteed. But you look at his his um, you know last handful of fights. Uh, he's a very active fighter, so that always plays in his favor. And he is on a two fight winning streak. A win over uh, Max Griffin and Peter Sabata. But like before that, a three fight losing streak. Nelson Perry, Dalby, a couple of wins before that over Pedersoli and Condit. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know. It's it's so tough. I mean, it, it really seems whenever I pick Oliveira to win, he loses. Whenever I pick him to lose, he wins. He's just a tough guy to get a gauge on. Um, but I am going to go with Shavkat Rachmanov uh, on, on this one. I think they're, they're booking him uh, against a, a quality opponent like Oliveira for a reason. Again, essentially a pick him when you look at the odds makers here. But uh, I'm going to go Shavkat Rachmanov. Um, we'll go by decision. I don't think he fucking blows the door off of, of Oliveira. Nobody's really ever done that. All right, moving on here uh, to the next fight. Again, this is the catch weight at 140 pounds. A very interesting matchup here between Casey Kenny and Nathaniel Wood. Uh, Kenny is 15-2-1. Wood is 17-4. We look at the odds here. They have Casey Kenny as the minus 175 favorite. Uh, this is a really good, uh, really good low-key fight. Um, a bit of a showcase for uh, Nathaniel Wood because um, I believe... So the, the the card starts, the main card starts at 2 p.m. Central Time here in the U.S. So this is obviously before the main card. This is probably, well, it's a second fight, second to last fight on the prelims. So this fight's going to be at 1 p.m. here uh, stateside. Uh, who fucking knows what time it is? I don't know. Fucking two in the morning over in Abu Dhabi, but that's gonna be prime time for the British fans. I mean, that's uh, like seven p.m., six p.m. or something uh, over there in uh, in London town. Um, so I, I think that's for a reason why they put him here. He's gonna have a lot of eyeballs on him. This is, you know, trending to be a massive pay per view. Obviously, you know, this it's not on the pay per view portion of the fight, but uh, you know, people will be tuning in. And this, this is really, really good because you talk about two very underappreciated fighters. I, I would say Kenny's, Kenny is a little more underappreciated, even still now. I've been on the Kenny bandwagon for for a few fights, uh, really ever since his Ray Borg fight. 
But, you know, fuck me, man. But this is the type of fight you have to make in the bantamweight division because it's so stacked. <coughs> Excuse me. It's so stacked. Like, to get ranked at bantamweight... It, bantamweight's probably the hardest division to get ranked in, honestly. Like, for, for a long time, it used to be lightweight. I don't think that's true anymore. I think it's easier to get ranked at lightweight. It's still... Don't get me wrong, it's a tough proposition. But... And, and lightweight is very stacked from 10 up. But 10 to 15 at lightweight, it's kind of gotten... A, I don't want to say worse, because that's obviously negative. But, like, it's gotten a little more shallow from 10 to 15. Um... So again, ordinarily, these are two guys, and they, they tried it with Nathaniel Wood. They put him up against John Dodson, you know, to to, to kind of get a vibe check on, on where he is, and he failed it. But like ordinarily, like you don't really put young, I mean, they're not super young. I think they're both like 26, 27. But you would put them against, you know, an older, more established guy. And, you know, listen, we'll see where the chips, chips fall. But it's interesting that they match these two up together. Um, I'm certainly picking Casey Kenny uh, in this one. I think he's he's kind of the he's kind of Marab Dewalishvili light um, in the sense that he's a killer. He's very underrated, and I, I like the comparison because they're both in the bantamweight division, uh, and I believe they both fought. Yeah, they both fought uh, back uh, in in February. Um, I'm not I'm not comparing them stylistically, but I'm comparing them in the sense that like these guys both win a lot of fucking fights in this company. They, they've only lost a couple of times in the UFC, but like nobody knows who they are, but they they are killers and they you you will respect them you know in a year's time and I think we're starting to respect Marab, uh, which we should have done a long time ago. Um, and, and like I've always said with Marab, like his two losses were complete bullshit. I mean that guy should be undefeated and, and if he was undefeated, he would be you know in the top five of that division. Um, but I, I, I digress. We're talking about Casey Kenny here. But, you know, he just fought uh, on on the 3rd of October. He beat Haley Alatang, so I guess he just stayed on Fight Island and waited for another fight. But, um, again, I've, I've always been so impressed with him, and his wins only look better as time goes on. They look good uh, at the time, and, and they age, uh, you know, very, very well. So, like, he beat Brandon Royval, um, I believe that was at 125, back in uh, LFA. I mean... Look at what Royval's doing. I think he's in the top 10 at flyweight now. He beat Ray Borg. That guy fought for a fucking title. That guy fought for a fucking title. Uh, he beat Manny Bermudez at 135, so up a weight class, when Manny Bermudez fucking missed weight. So he came in at like 140. And, and Casey Kenny's kind of a tweener between 125 and 135. So an undersized bantamweight essentially beat a fucking heavy featherweight because, you know, he, he missed weight. So... I, I've always been impressed with with Casey Kenny. Now Nathaniel Wood, he did get back to his winning ways um, back on the fir- first stint on Fight Island. So he beat John Castaneda. I don't really know what that does for you, other than getting you back, you know, in in the win column. Um, the John Dotson loss uh, really kind of spoke volumes about Nathaniel Wood because you know, I mean, other than his nickname being the Prospect, I mean, this guy was a, a very legitimate, still is a very legitimate prospect, but that kind of derailed the hype train now John Dodson's tough as shit I mean he fought for the title twice very very quick um he's tough to finish um but you know I'm still I'm still going with Casey Kenny on this one I still feel really good about Casey Kenny overall and I think he gets it done and I think the odd maker odd makers um have this one pretty fair I think minus 175 favorite um is fitting is very fitting for for Casey Kenny 
All right, moving on here to the prelim main event. It's a heavyweight fight here between Stefan the Skyscraper Struve and Ty Bam Bam Tuivasa. Struve is 29 and 12. Tuivasa is 10 and 3. Um, essentially, a pick 'em. Tuivasa is the minus 120 favorite. Uh, Struve is the minus 110 favorite. Um, this one's interesting. This one is is. I'd say it's very appropriate matchmaking. Obviously, Struve is uh, is much older. Uh, well, not much older, but he's older than Tuivasa. But it, it's it's really two guys trying to cling to relevancy in a division that desperately needs relevant fighters. The heavyweight division really is never deep. Sometimes you get really good elite fighters at the top end, but like the heavyweight division always struggles for depth. And, and, and that's what this fight represents. We need someone to win this one. Not just win it, but win it emphatically. Because we, we need fighters to get excited about. And, uh, you know, with Struve, I, I'd say the best scenario for the UFC is that Tuivasa wins. Um, just because we've kind of seen Struve's career play out in the UFC. But, you know, the, the same could be applicable for, for Struve, I suppose. But, like, you know, Struve retired, you know, about a year ago. Um, he's lost four of his last five. Um, uh, I think we're all kind of gassed out on Struve here. But again, man, I mean, heavyweight is is a division for for reclamation projects, um, and and you talk about a reclamation project in uh, in Tuivasa. Um, this is a guy who is 27. Um, I suppose with the well, I don't know if Mark Hunt is retired, but he's certainly not in the UFC anymore. But um, Australia is a very good market for the UFC. Oceania is a very good market for the UFC. And th- the UFC would love nothing more than for Tai Tuivasa to win this fight and just spark Stefan Struve because they need their Oceanic heavyweight back. They need they need someone from that region to step up to the plate and and you know contend just like Mark Hunt did. Now I think we all thought that was going to be what Tuivasa was, was going to do during his first stint in the UFC. I mean, he was 9-0, 10-0, excuse me, at one point. Um, you know, he, he had beaten Andre Arlovsky, a former champ. All right, now he's going to fight Junior Dos Santos. I think that was at the Kudos Bank in Sydney, Australia. So, hey, you're, you're headlining in your home country. If you beat JDS, uh, you probably get a title shot, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you still need another victory, and... You know, this was at a weird time in the heavyweight division where we were kind of doing the trilogy, you know, fucking waiting around for fucking decades to finish the Stipe DC trilogy. Um, but, you know, if, if he would have beat JDS, fuck, I don't know, man. Like, he would have been right up there, man. Gets knocked out by JDS, comes back uh, six months later, uh, loses a decision to Blagoy Ivanov, and then uh, four months later at uh, 243... Uh, gets choked out by Sergey Spivak, and then he was cut. So, this might be the time to buy low on, on Tuivasa. I'm, I'm going to pick Tuivasa to win this one. I, I, I flat out just think he's the better fighter. He's going to have better power. Um, he, he'll be at a severe height and reach disadvantage, but that's never really proven to be a huge benefit for Stefan Struve. You know what I mean? Like, I, I guess it is, but like, then why does he still lose fucking the majority of his fights? You know what I mean? Um, I suppose just because he's not a good fighter. Um, 
but he's still a long way from being in title contention, which I, I mean, I guess is a pipe dream. I guess I don't know why I'm talking about that, but you know, even even being ranked, but like, it it really is now or never with with Tai Tuivasa. Like, listen, you you don't belong in the UFC right now, or I shouldn't say don't belong, but you don't deserve to be in the UFC right now. If this was regular times you would be fighting in Bellator right now because you got cut on a three-fight losing streak. And, hey, listen, I'm not I'm saying he, he belongs in Bellator right now. I'm not saying he never will belong in the UFC in the future. Maybe he gets a couple of wins in Bellator or fucking Ryzen or something and then comes back. Happens all the time. But this is this is a blessing. They, they don't just randomly put people on the prelim main event. That is a very deliberate move by the UFC to put them in that spot so go out there and and even though you don't deserve to be here go out and go out and do something just go out and do something i mean if if he goes out there and wins a sloppy unanimous decision victory well the ufc is going to bring you back just you know on on the the fact that you won the fight but nobody's going to give a shit because you know it was a boring fight so i i really think we need a, a first round I only say first round because, I mean, that's pretty common with heavyweights. It could be a second round. But, you know, we, we need a quick knockout from Tuivasa. Um, and I, I think I really do think he will do it. I, re- I really think um, he'll, he'll knock out Stefan Struve. All right, moving on here now to the main card. Uh, we, we look at the main card opener here. It is a fight here between Magomed Ankalaev and Iwan Kutalaba. Uh, we look at the odds, shark odds. They will have uh, Magomed Ankalaev as the minus 310 favorite. Um, I think that's fair. I am picking Ankalaev in this fight. Of course, this was the matchup that should have happened fucking several times in the past. Um, so a little history uh, about this fight. Uh, they were booked um, in February of this year. And Ankalaev beat Kutalaba by uh, first round knockout 30 seconds, 38 seconds into the fight. Now... Kutalaba had the fucking stupid idea to pretend to be rocked and the referee stopped the fight because he was wobbling back and forth and thought that he was rocked now I, w- I will say I give the ref the benefit of the doubt because it's a fucking stupid strategy if if that was my strategy I would specifically tell the referee before the fight when they're in the locker room that hey kind of silly but my strategy is to pretend to be rocked and then i'm going to try to fucking flatline ankle with a you know a, a counter hook or something um but that's a fucking really rock-headed strategy um so whatever <clears throat> when you when you look at the replay it's very obvious that uh ankle did not hurt him it's very obvious that kutalaba was faking it but in real time I don't fault the referee. I think it was Kevin McDonald. I don't fault the referee for stopping the fight. The, the referee doesn't have a replay. The referee is not watching the fight in fucking slow motion. You're, you're watching it in real time as two fucking, you know, quick twitch killers are, are firing back and forth. How the, how the fuck do you know that the, the, the head kick, you know, it didn't land. You know, it, it, it was two inches away from his head. How the fuck? And you, so, you know, it, it's it's whatever. Now, this fight has been attempted to be booked three separate times. One time in April, twice in August, 
We're finally here. We're finally here. Iwan Kutalaba is a fucking idiot. He tested positive for COVID twice. I don't even know how that's possible. Um, yeah, this dude must lick doorknobs. He is not the brightest bulb. Uh, he is not the sharpest knife in in the uh, in the set. Um, and I think Ankalaev wins. I, I think this rematch never should have happened. It shouldn't have happened the first time they booked it. After it fell through, then they should have just went their separate ways. They never should have booked it a second time. They never should have booked it a third time, and they shouldn't have booked it a fourth time. But listen, we're here. I think it will be a good fight. I don't think Kutalaba is on the level of an Ankalaev. I don't think Kutalaba is um, too particularly skilled. I think he's very enthusiastic. He does have some good power. He has some knockout ability, um, but he's he's not very technical. I think I think Ankalaev is technical, um, and he has the power. So I think he knocks him out for real this time. I, I do think he finishes Kutalaba. Um, I don't think it goes to a decision. Um, you look at what he did to Dolce Lumgambula. You look at the first round knockout of Marcin Prochnio. Um He he has some real power, and let's not forget specifically at light heavyweight you look at his tenure in the ufc his debut fight was the historic fight with paul craig where he choked out to a a triangle choke with one second remaining in the fight that that crazy fucking comeback finish paul craig was getting his ass beat for 14 minutes and 59 seconds and choked him out in the final 10 seconds and it obviously was stopped with one second to go so Coulda, shoulda, woulda, but realistically, Ankalaev should be undefeated. He should be 5-0 and in the UFC, and if he was 5-0 and in the UFC and undefeated 13-0 and overall, this motherfucker would be ranked in the top five, you know what I mean? So, um, he's he's a really, really good fighter, and I, I do think he finishes Kutalaba. Uh, I think Kutalaba is, is essentially just a litmus test in the UFC. He, he will beat some fighters. He does flip-flop wins and losses. Um, he's not the worst fighter I've ever seen. He's obviously incredibly dangerous. Just ask uh, Antigulov or uh, Khalil Roundtree. But you know, there's levels to this, and at every single level, at, at every single step up, he's he's faltered. Uh, Sirkinov, a guy who's been ranked for a while. Uh, we're gonna fight him. Loss. Cannoneer. Loss. Teixeira. Loss. Ankalaev. Loss. He he he's never he's never gone past what he's supposed to do he'll win the fights that he's supposed to he will lose the fights that he's supposed to as well and he's supposed to lose this one which is why i'm picking megamed ankalaev all right moving on here still on the main card we have a women's uh, flyweight fight here between lauren murphy and lilia shakarova murphy is 13 and 4 shakarova is 8 and 1 uh, we look at the odds shark odds here. They have Murphy as the minus 200 favorite. I think that is absolutely fucking ridiculous. I think she should be something uh, closer to like a minus 400 favorite, maybe minus 450. Uh, they must think very highly of Shakarova. I've never heard of her. Um, I, I have nothing to say about her. Maybe she is a good fighter. Um, if she is, good for her. I, I just don't know much about her. Um, she's from Uzbekistan. That's kind of cool. Um, and she comes from GFC. Never heard of that promotion. Um, but I do know with Lauren Murphy. So I'm really only going to talk about Lauren Murphy here because I just don't know shit about Chekarova, nor does really anybody. Um, Lauren Murphy's a pretty darn good fighter. I, I will say that. She's getting up there in age. She is 37. And the, by and by the way, the, the minus 200 favorite is, is kind of disrespectful because Chekarova is a, a, a late notice 
replacement. This was supposed to be a fight between Cynthia Calvillo and Lauren Murphy, which would have been actually really interesting and, and you know, would have would have put them in a very prime spot for the potential of a title fight. Obviously, Maya's getting the next title fight, and um, you, you look at Andrade and what she did. I mean, she's probably next in line, you know, on, on, in the on-deck circle. Um, but but that would have been a, a very highly ranked fight with a lot of implications. The, there's really none of that in this one. So Murphy's ranked number five. I'm going to tell you right now, if she beats Shekarova, she's not, she's not moving up in the rankings because you beat an unranked, uh, you know, late replacement. But it's a win. It's a paycheck. Keeps you active. Adds another win to the record. Um, she has a lot more to lose than she has to win. There's a lot to win here for Shakarova because if she wins, then after your fucking UFC debut, you will be ranked on the doorstep of the top five. So there's a lot, a lot here for Shakarova. Not a lot for Lauren Murphy. You have everything to lose and not a whole lot to gain. There, there's, again, like I said, there's still a little to gain. Um, but I, I'm picking Lauren Murphy. I think she's really kind of floated to the top here. She's on a three-fight winning streak. Uh, finished uh, Mera Romero Barella split decision win over Andrea Lee and then uh, unanimous decision victory over Roxanne Mataferi um, back in June. So you know, about a year ago, and it's still a little true now at women's 125, but it was just a lot of bleh. It was just a lot of mush from three to 15, where you go. I don't know, 15 could beat 3, 14 could beat 7 on any given Saturday, you know what I mean? Because you just go, these rankings are not solidly defined. There's not a whole lot of delineation from 3 to 15. As this division, as, as this really new young division has progressed over the last calendar year, we've kind of seen some people rise and some people fall. It's it, the, the division is stiffening. Of course, divisions are always fluid. But but we're, we're, we're seeing it become a little bit more rigid. We're seeing, like, okay, and obviously Chukagian lost last week, but, like, okay, Chukagian definitely belongs at the top of the division because look at, look at who she's she's beat. Oh, Jessica I losing to Cynthia Calvillo, losing to, to Shevchenko. Um, you know what I mean? Like, all right, we're finding out where she truly is. And we're, we're truly finding out that Lauren Murphy is is a top-level fighter at 125. I still wouldn't favor her against Shevchenko. I still wouldn't favor her against Calvillo or Andrade or Chukagian, but she certainly belongs up there in the discussion, and against an unranked fighter, not even fucking close. I'm, I'm picking Lauren Murphy to win this one, just running away with it. All right, moving on here. Uh... We have a middleweight fight here between Phil Hayes and Jacob Malkoon. Um, I'm going to be rather brief on this one. Um, we'll look at the odds shark odds here. They have Hayes as the minus uh, 260 favorite. I don't know. I do not know why this is on a main card um, on a pay-per-view. Uh, Phil Hayes, he's making his UFC debut. He's coming off of the Contender Series. Now, he's fought on the Contender Series twice. He got head kicked into... F- the, the, another dimension by Julian Marquez back in 2017 won three fights came back, knocked out Murad Bastayev and now he's taking on Jacob Malkoon I, I, I don't know what to take away from Phil Hayes uh, he, he's got good power, he's kind of shorter, 
and I have no idea what to take from Jacob Malkoon. He's making his UFC debut. Um, not even a contender series guy, uh, a guy who's coming over from Eternal MMA 48. Um, I don't know anything about Jacob Malkoon. I'm going to go with Phil Hayes on this one. Just because he has more experience and he's fought UFC-ish caliber fighters on the contender series, don't know a goddamn thing about Jacob Malkoon. So we're going to go Phil Hayes, I guess, by decision because, again, I don't really know anything about either of those guys. All right, moving on here to the featured bout. It's a heavyweight fight here between Alexander Volkov and Walt Harris. Volkov is 31-8. and eight. Harris is 13-8. and eight. We're going to look at the odds here. They have Volkov as the minus 185 favorite. And this is great matchmaking. I love this fight. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I love this fight. These are two strikers. They are going to strike. There's no question about it. I don't anticipate a takedown at all in this fight. Overeem taking down Walt Harris was a major problem in their last fight. Volkov getting grapple fucked by Curtis Blades was a major problem. So I think they're both going to be very eager to stand and trade because they're not fighting wrestlers. Um, So I I really like this one. Uh, Perfect placement here in the featured bout. Um, We'll look at the heavyweight rankings here, courtesy of North Star Sports. Volkov is at number 7, Harris is at number 8. They're both a couple of rings down from being in title contention, and again, like I've said, um, the heavyweight top 5 is very, very well ordered. So these guys are still several fights away from a title fight, from even being up there. Um... But, but I like this. I like this. And it's I, I don't think this fight is going to go long if Walt Harris is going to win it. I, I, I really think... I, I, I really think that the turning point for this fight is going to be the second round. The start of the second round. So, I think if the fight gets finished in the first round... It's going to be Walt Harris just fucking flatlining Alexander Volkov, just smashing him. And I think if this fight gets finished in rounds two or three and or goes to a decision, it's going to be a clear-cut win for Volkov. You know, a lot of times you can't really say that, you know, with fighters uh, where like, well, if it's early, it's, it's this guy. But like, I don't know, man, Walt Harris doesn't have a great gas tank. Um, he, he doesn't really finish fights in later rounds. Um, you know, that's largely because he finishes them early or just loses. Um, but yeah, I mean, Volkov does have a good gas tank. I mean, we saw that in the Greg Hardy fight. We And to some degree, we, we, we did see that in the Curtis Blades fight. I mean, Volkov was a live dog, you know, in rounds three, four, and five. And we saw him, I think it was the fourth round, we kind of saw him, hey, he's got some fight in him. You know what I mean? He was tagging Curtis uh, Blades. Um, obviously, there wasn't really a point in that fight where you thought Volkov was going to win it. But he was always there, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, I, I, I really just think either it's a quick finish for Walt Harris or it's it's the long play for Volkov and he just picks him apart. Obviously going to have the height and reach advantage here. I think Harris is 6'4", Volkov is 6'7". Um, but I do think Harris wins. I think he wins early in the first round. I think he just, you know, listen, I, I think Harris is a legitimately very talented fighter. Um, I think Harris... Man, if you put Harris back in, like, 2010 UFC, 
this this guy might be the fucking champ. You know what I mean? I just think that you, you look at the guys who dominate now in the heavyweight division, a lot of them, I mean, if you can wrestle at heavyweight, you're ranked very highly. Look at Blades, look at Miocic, look at, um, you know, Overeem can wrestle a little bit. Look at, you know, what DC did. I mean, there's no shortage of strikers in the heavyweight division. There is a, a, a definitive shortage of grapplers and wrestlers at the heavyweight division. And, man, I just feel like this guy's in the wrong era. You know what I mean? But I, I do think he, he'll blast through Volkov. Um, I, I think he's probably pissed off about how his last fight went. Um, you know, almost finishing uh, Alistair Overeem, but just gassing out and, and getting, you know, out grappled. And, you know, listen, even if Walt Harris faces Curtis Blades, he could knock him out. He, you know, he knocked out Alexi Olenek in 12 seconds. O- Olenek is certainly a grappler. He's, he's definitely not a striker, you know, and just knocked him out real quick. So, you know, and Blades has been finished by, like, Nganu, uh twice in under a minute. So uh, you do have the great equalizer when you're Walt Harris, but when you're facing another guy who's going to stand and bang, to uh, steal a quote from uh, Julian Lane, I mean, that that's going to go in the favor of Walt Harris. So I'm picking Walt Harris by first round KO. All right, moving on here. Now we are at the co-main event of the evening. It is a middleweight fight here between Robert the Reaper Whitaker and Jared the Killer Gorilla Cannoneer. Uh, Whitaker, the former middleweight champ, is 21 and 5. Cannoneer is 13 and 4. We look at the odds for this one. They have it as a pick'em. Both are the minus 115 favorite. Um, we look at the North Star Sports UFC rankings. Uh, Robert Whitaker is the number one contender. Jared Cannonier is the number two contender. With the loss of Paulo Costa and with the victory of Cannonier over Hermanson, this is definitely, even if the UFC doesn't want to come out and officially say it, like they did with Ortega and the Korean Zombie, this is a title eliminator. The winner of this one, barring, you know, a real bad injury or, or you know, them being a dick in negotiations, which I don't see that being an issue here. Uh, they will fight Israel Adesanya for the middleweight title sometime in 2021, early 2021. Um, this fight's kind of been going under the radar. I, I haven't seen a whole lot of hype for it, but this is a really good fight. Could be a main event in, on any fight night. Um, man, so I'm, I'm going to start out by saying I'm, I'm picking Robert Whitaker to win this fight. I, I really, I really do. Now, obviously, it wouldn't shock me if Cannoneer won this fight. Um, they're both really good. But I will say, man, like, Whitaker did get knocked out by Israel Adesanya. And obviously, a lot of people have r- respect for the cringiest man in, in the UFC, and rightfully so. But it, it's kind of weird. Like, people shit on Whitaker for that loss. And I, I feel like they count him out more than more than he is. I think his mental change from being the champ to not being the champ and not having the pressure of the belt and just, you know, kind of maturing. I can't wait for that rematch. I, I cannot wait for that rematch between Adesanya and Whitaker. And obviously I would favor Adesanya in the rematch, but fuck, I don't know, not by much. But guys, let's not forget Whitaker is really good. He's really good. <laughs> I mean, you know what I mean? And... That, that fight versus Darren Till back in July, I mean, I saw everything I needed to see from, from Whitaker. Crisp striking, the, the ability to, to, you know, outstrike a guy like Till, 
Um, I, I, I liked his wrestling as well. You know, taking Till down. Not, I mean, he didn't exactly hold him down for extended periods of time, but, you know, you kind of hear it in the lead up to this fight where Whitaker says, listen, I'm going to do whatever I want to Jared Cannonier. I'm going to, I'm going to go wherever I want and I'm going to finish this fight however I want. And I kind of believe him. Not that it's going to be easy, but he, he did the same thing with Till. You know, when he wanted to take him down, he took him down. When he wanted to stand and bang, he, he stood and banged. And, uh, you know, Whitaker is, is a top level striker. And I, I think he's probably a better wrestler than Jared Cannonier. I mean, when, when you look, <clears throat> when you look, and again, it, it's kind of bullshit like MMA math. You know what I mean? Works out some of the time, most of the time, higher than 50% of the time. But, you know, it's, it's oftentimes wrong. But honestly, you know, I just, I go up and down. Almost everything, if even just slightly, is in the favor of Whitaker. I mean, Whitaker is a, a little bit taller, a little bit longer on the reach, not by much. Not those are not the strongest, you know, points of of contention. But like high level experience, Whitaker, uh, striking, Whitaker, wrestling. Whitaker, I mean, this guy, I think he wrestles with the Australian national team or something, or he was going to be on the Olympic team. I mean, he's he's really improved with his, his wrestling since, you know, the days of him being a, a welterweight. The only thing that's really in the favor of Cannoneer is power. I mean, I, I will say that the power is in favor of Cannoneer and the crystals. The crystals are definitely in the favor of Jared Cannoneer, uh, which scare me. I, I tend to believe him when he talks about the crystals. I don't know a whole lot about them, but they are scary. Um, I, I really like Cannoneer. He seems like a good guy. So does Whitaker. I mean, these both seem like really good guys, like really good guys. Um, but I, I just think Whitaker wins. And, you know, for Cannoneer, he is a little up there in age because of, you know, figuring out everything, you know, a little bit later in, in life, a little bit later in his career. You kind of wonder with Cannoneer, like, man, what if you would have, what if you would have figured out you were a middleweight five years ago? You know what I mean? Like, it's crazy to think. But, you know, he's been on a meteoric rise, you know, just in the last, uh, you know, two years, ever since that loss to Dom Reyes. And again, this dude, his losses just look better. And again, you always hate saying that because they're still losses. You still didn't win the fight. But like, okay, you lost to Glover Teixeira. Well, Glover's a fucking legend. That guy might be the fucking champ you know, in six months, you know what I mean? Like, if if he beats Thiago Santos, he's getting a title shot versus Blahovic. Uh You talk about Blahovic, he lost to Blahovic. You talk about Dom Reyes, he lost to Reyes. Those are all really good fighters who, when you look back through the lens of 2017, 2018, when these fights happened, you just kind of go, well, you lost to Glover Teixeira? That, he's kind of a journey journeyman. Not in the sense of a promotional journeyman, but in the sense that, like, well... He's a tough guy, but, you know, that's just Glover. Jan Blahovic, nobody thought anything of Jan Blahovic in 2017. Dom Reyes, people didn't even know who the fuck Dom Reyes was in, in, uh, in uh, May of 2018. So, at the time, those losses are not very good. But as time goes on, it turns out Canadier is uh, actually really fucking good. And, you know, starches David Branch, uh, finishes Anderson Silva, and beats Jack Hermanson. I don't know, man. He's right up there, and he'll still be in a good spot even if he loses to, you know, maybe rebound against Acosta or maybe get a rematch with Hermanson or, you know, there's plenty of options. And, you know, I I guess he is only 36 years old. I thought he was a little bit older. 
Um, the the thing that I can take away from from uh, Cannoneer, certainly from his his fight with Hermanson, is Whitaker took down Darren Till a handful of times. Didn't hold him down, but took him down. If he tries the same with Cannoneer, the thing that I like, not that Whitaker's someone to grapple fucking opponent. He's certainly content if he has to, for 15 minutes, just kickbox with Cannoneer. But Cannoneer's dangerous on the ground, so I don't know if Whitaker wants to, you know, shoot for a takedown because, ah, you know what I mean? I, I would still favor Whitaker in, in the wrestling, but it is a dangerous proposition to go on the ground with Cannoneer. I mean, you might just get hammer-fisted into fucking oblivion. So, it's interesting. I'm still picking Whitaker on this one. I'm going to go by decision just because it's a 15-minute fight. If it was 25 minutes, I I might pick Whitaker by a finish just because there's more time to work with. But with 15 minutes, Cannonier is is a tough guy. So is Whitaker. I I don't really envision a finish. Even if Cannonier wins, to be honest, and and I said Cannonier has the, 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 the positive power differential, but like... I still don't see Cannoneer finishing Whitaker. I mean, that's it's possible, but I don't see it. But I'm going Whitaker by decision. All right, moving on. Now we are at the main event of the evening. It's for the unification of the UFC lightweight championship between the 28-0 undefeated Khabib Nurmagomedov and the 22-2 American Justin Gaethje. We look at the odds shark odds here. They have uh, Nurmagomedov as the prohibitive minus 335 favorite. But I'll tell you this much. I've been saying it for months, and everybody's going to eat crow. They're going to eat their words. Justin the Highlight Gaethje is the mailman's lock of the week. It's time now for the mailman's lock of the week. So there you have it, folks. Justin, the highlight Gaethje, is the mailman's lock of the week. I've been saying it for months, really since this fight was booked. Justin Gaethje's going to win this fight. It's not going to be easy. Sounds crazy to say because Khabib is undefeated. But I've, I've been telling you, the performance that Justin Gaethje put on against Tony Ferguson was the greatest performance I've, I've probably ever seen. And... If he puts that performance on against anybody, he beats him. He beats him. If Gaethje fights like that against Conor McGregor, he beats him. If he if he fights that way against Khabib, he beats him. If he fights that way against GSP, he will beat him. If he fights that way against Usman, he would beat Usman. Now, the caveat with that is that was a very good performance. And because it was very good, it's very hard to replicate. He, that was a 10 out of 10 night for Justin Gaethje. It's very hard to have those. It's very hard to have a 10 out of 10 night. So if he if he doesn't, if he has a 8 out of 10 night here against Khabib, then he loses. Then he loses. But man, what I saw from him against Ferguson, oh man, it's amazing. His striking was so fucking good. So much power. So much power. Even when they told him to take off power, the, he had the power. And... Even even Khabib, you look at his Poirier fight, I don't know, man. There was a chance for Poirier to win that fight. I think the recipe to beat Khabib is out there. I think, I really think it is. 
I think if this fight happened a, a year ago, I would definitely favor Khabib. But man, I just think you look at the circumstances right now. Khabib had to fucking kill himself to get down to 155. Um, nobody wants to mention it, obviously, but it is a, it is a factor. You know, his his father did die. That's very sad and unfortunate. But that certainly is a, a piece of the, of, of the pie here. Um, and 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 Justin Gaethje, listen, I know you could go back and look. look well, Justin Gaethje, he has two losses. He's not undefeated. He lost to Poirier. He lost to uh, Alvarez. Listen, those are two UFC champions, two of the of the best fighters to ever do it in that division. And I, th- I think Gaethje beats those two guys if he fights like he currently fights. He fought back then like a maniac. He fought with no regard for his health, and he suffered the consequences. He got finished. But we've seen in this resurrection for Gaethje's career that he doesn't want to be the, the, the most exciting UFC fighter in history anymore. He wants to be champ. And now that he's fighting with regard for his health and, and you know, now that he's not just taking a punch to give one, he's unstoppable. He's unstoppable. He, he So he uh, rebounds, knocks out James Vick, which was hilarious. Uh, he turned James Vick into a cactus. Knocks out Barboza, knocks out Cerrone, you know, puts that type of performance against Tony Ferguson. I think he beats Khabib. He's a great defensive wrestler, which is what you need to be against Khabib. I think, I'm not going to say Poirier could have won that fight. Now, I'm not saying it was likely. I'm not saying it was going to happen, but he, he knew what to do to win that fight. To beat Khabib, you cannot back up along the fence. Khabib still might take you down if you're in the middle of the octagon, but it's a lot harder. You do not want to back up to the fence. I think if Gaethje stands his ground, throws those killer leg click leg kicks, which he can throw standing on top of you. He, he needs no space to throw those kicks. He has the power. He has the striking. He has the defensive wrestling to beat Khabib. If he stands in the middle of the octagon, doesn't back up to the fence, I think he wins. And the thing is, too... Gaethje's a tough guy to finish. Gaethje might be the toughest guy in the UFC to finish. His chin is legendary. So, say in round one, Gaethje does back up to the fence and Khabib does take him down. I don't know if Khabib can finish him. I mean, he can. He can. But I don't know if he does. You know, Gaethje can take a fucking beating. So, yes, Khabib is famous for smashing people. But... If Al Iaquinta can survive, then Gaethje can. And the thing is, you could smash the shit out of Gaethje for three rounds. Even say Khabib just dominates the first three rounds and smashes the fuck out of him. Every round starts on the feet. And, and you know, Gaethje's going to leave every fucking ounce of his being in that octagon. So if, he, if Gaethje's still alive in the fourth round, he's as game as ever. He's as game as ever. He might be a little more tired from taking an ass beating, but he's still going to have that power. He's still going to be swinging for the fucking fences. He's still going to be swinging to send your nose bone into the nosebleeds. And fuck, I don't know, man. I don't know, man. It all comes down to, to Gaethje's wrestling because I tell you what, you know, if we get into the second round and Khabib is, is, is unsuccessful. And listen, Khabib, percentage-wise... He, obviously, percentage-wise, he's good at, at, at getting takedowns, but he misses a lot. He misses a lot. Now, he's a volume takedown guy, which is why he's able to do what he does because, you know, he comes all day. But, like, it's going to be interesting if Gaethje stuffs 
three of of Khabib's takedowns, and Khabib has to stand there and take leg kicks and take damage. Justin Gaethje, one of one of the best things he's ever said, and it's so true, and and, and it's really only true for a handful of people, and it's only the truest of truisms for Justin Gaethje. This guy causes car crashes. Khabib's going to have to withstand a car crash, and I don't know if he can do it. We've never seen it. Maybe he can, maybe he can't. That's why this fight is booked. That's why we're going to find out. But not a lot of people can withstand car crashes, I can tell you that much. And there's a car crash every single fucking round with with Justin Gaethje. This guy's a maniac, but he's more he's a refined maniac now. He still has those maniac tendencies, but he's more refined, which only enhances his maniacal fucking <laughs> everything. Everything his maniacal fucking power is maniacal mindset. I I, re- I really really truly think Justin Gaethje is going to beat Khabib Nurmagomedov and I cannot fucking wait to tell everybody. Go back and look in the archives. I've been saying this since I think August. He's going to fucking beat him, guys. You guys got to listen to me. I know you could look at Khabib's resume. It's not going to be easy. Uh, he he's barely lost a round and, and and never lost a fight, but Justin Gaethje, everything's peaking for this guy. Everything's peaking for him. And he's the mailman's lock of the week. Justin Gaethje will beat Khabib Nurmagomedov. You can write that down. Do whatever the fuck you want with it. Take it to the bank, okay? Justin Gaethje will be the undisputed UFC lightweight champion by 5 p.m. tomorrow, central time. So with the with that bold prediction, we're going to wrap it up here. Um, again, you can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN, uh, the mailman at Owen the Mailman, North Star Sports at North Star MIN. Check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. Uh, the main card showdown uh, is on. We will be doing that. It's the first round of the uh, October World Grand Prix. I'm very excited. You got to follow our social media channels to, to keep up with it. Um, but with that, we're going to wrap it up. Thank you guys very much for tuning in. Have a blessed weekend.